you have a defibrillator on a kid's part. What's this telling you? What's this all about? Healthy kids, generally, children don't have heart attacks, and so on and so forth. But ever since the uh, poisonous toxins have been rolled out, kids are, um, are dropping like flies and having heart attacks. But it's not related, is it? This on a kid's park. Wake the F up. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, August 18th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. A very focused, likely under an hour, maybe a little bit over show, and I've made sure of that. I mean, I always say that, and then I'll shoot myself in the foot and go for four hours, but this will be a shorter show focused specifically on what we're seeing discussed today as the mea culpa from the CDC apologizing for not working fast enough, apologizing for not pushing things out sooner, apologizing for not pushing their studies out faster or forcing their people to work towards a certain goal better. That's all the background here, but the real mea culpa or the real point of the mea culpa is to cover up what is really happening around all of this in a very dis- half-hearted, dishonest, we apologize for not doing what the corporate media wanted us to do faster, is essentially what it boils down to. We should have gotten those vaccines out faster. We should have mandated them quicker. We should have quarantined more. Like, this is the underlying point that's not being stated verbatim, but which is what they're ultimately saying. And I'll go through it today, too. And I'll show you that on the article, specifically the New York Times, since they put it out late yesterday, it's been edited like five or six times. I mean, it's more than that if you actually look through all of the saved portions, but I'll make a very clear example of what the things were that they changed and why they can't even be honest about their mea culpa coverage, where it was a little too harsh. The secondary editor that steps in and adds their name to the information without updating the article, you know, journalistic integrity and all, integrity and, all and simply waters down what the person was even saying first. I'll show you what I mean. This is the nature of the corporate media. It's about narrative control. And this is supposed to be the watershed moment where the CDC realizes their faults. You know, you mean the faults that we've been screaming about until we got here? Even the ones they're pointing at. Yes, we've also been talking about those right up until now. And they've been calling us crazy and creating distrust in the the agency and creating vaccine hesitancy. Well, I'm not creating any of that. The truth about you that I prove is creating people's distrust in you me pointing that out is as dumb as saying that julia wikileaks and julian assange killed those people in in afghanistan or wherever else the u.s government was exposed for murdering people including those two reuters journalists collateral murder look it up in case you don't know the point is that that's as ridiculous because him pointing those things out and or how's here's another great example arguing that the truth about our government being told to you by Russia during the election is disinformation. Well, no, it's factual. They're true. You just don't like what it's showing you. And yes, it does create distrust. That's your fault, not Russia's fault for pointing it out, even if it's advantageous to them. So today we're going to go through this information and show you how embarrassing this is and how the, and I, I don't think anybody seeing as how I believe the majority can see through this already. 
has before they even pretended they're apologizing to you that we're not going to buy this. But they're going to all they're going to try to do is push the idea that we have bought it and that their changes, which are I'll show you discussing how we need to be faster acting with what quarantine masks vaccinations exactly what we're all screaming on the peripheral saying that's the problem that's why we don't trust you and they step in and and speak to the corporate media and the people in their elitist circles and say sorry we're going to work faster next time acting like they're speaking to everybody they're going to pretend like that was accepted by everybody and that oh we repaired the trust in the cdc and let's push forward into monkeypox or whatever else is happening next we're not people are going to buy that today but I figured it was worth time to show you why this is ridiculous and add it to some other points about how obviously this has changed just from 2021 to now, how embarrassing it is that they can't even see that in themselves or they're covering it up either way you want to look at it and show you how this is still going forward, even as they act like they made mistakes in the exact same way. It's crazy to me. Now, on top of that, to start, I wanted to begin, actually, I wanted to make sure you guys saw this point that I forget if I brought up before. But I just won't be able to see. I think I did bring this up, actually, now that I think about it. But now that I showed it, just to reiterate the fact that Rumble is seemingly demonetizing my videos. I'm still using them because I get more views there seemingly than most. And I think a lot of people there are, you know, in the partisan partisan paradigm. And I think that that's important to break. But I just won't be able to see that right now I have videos and nobody they won't respond to me anywhere. Multiple emails directly reaching out via Twitter, DMing, now tagging them openly since they won't respond to me anywhere else. I also kind of want to know why I have videos that are over 500, 600,000 views monetized that I make like six cents for in total since then. It was like six months ago. Still being going up in views, still making very nothing money. Well, you know, that's I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'd like answers. And seeing as how nobody wants to respond to me, I figured we'd point it out. But let's continue forward on the point of the mea culpa. This is really the main point of today. CDC. Oh, and this was the, this is the show that we did yesterday. <laughs> Just to kind of continue to point out how we seem to be one step ahead of even their own mea culpas. Uh, this was my show yesterday. The CDC has lost the plot and any credibility with COVID. Then they come out and go, we lost your trust with COVID the next day. What am I psychic? What did I feel it coming? No, no, we're following along. And this is the truth. And you guys know that you guys can see that. The problem is I think they're so desperate to try to get ahead of this kind of information that their their actions, even their supposed mea culpas, are half-hearted, like flimsy, rushed, ham-fisted. Like it makes you wonder why in the world you would come out with this kind of an apology right now when you just said nobody trusts you. Why do you think people will trust your apology? It's very interesting to me that they think this is going to work, but we're going to have to wait and see what the corporate response is i mean you by the way you can already see what that response is ultimately because they are already coming out and acting like this was brave and sorry i was trying to grab the chat that i forgot earlier if you, if you hear that in the background that they're acting like this was brave and that they did the right thing and of course no surprise this is the same exact media that was censoring and shouting you down for pointing out the very things they're now admitting they did wrong Think about that for a second and and then understand that it's 1%, if that, of the full picture of what they should be apologizing for. That, by the way, they know about. That they know you know they knew about. That's the reality. From the Pfizer documentation that they lied about, that we knew was there, that we knew they knew was there in the beginning of this, that then came out way down the line. And then we can prove, going back, that they had that in front of them and chose not to tell you and still pushed boosters. I mean, it's just baffling that they think this will fly. But- the day before, watch it, because this is really important to see how bad this is to them. Now, here is the first iteration of this 
document or the article, for at least from the New York Times, and I argue probably with the same way for most of them. Walensky, citing botched pandemic response, calls this for CDC reorganization. Maybe a reimagining might be the right way to frame that. Hmm, just a point. But citing botched response. This is that old point we keep making. Now, you know where else they thought if we don't get prepared, we might botch this response? In Dark Winter, in Crimson Contagion, in Event 201. And they and you know why they claim they bought it? It's, it's this, just not to go through the whole rant again. The point is that they keep acting like they're doing all of this to be prepared better for the next thing. And then every time the so-called next thing happens, they, oh, well, we weren't prepared and we didn't do, well, why didn't you do even the things you said you should do to be prepared three years ago? It's just, it's obvious this is not about actually being prepared. It's about always having that caveat to say, well, it's not because we criminally forced people to inject themselves with an experimental drug that we knew was dangerous. No, no, no. It's because we just botched it. Wah, wah. Right. We would always rather be seen incompetent than criminal. Remember that because this is the core point of that right now. But then to realize that citing a botched pandemic response, doesn't that make a lot of people right? A lot of people that were even people that you might not agree, like they might think that masks are good or vaccines have some perp, whatever the point is. There's a lot of people, especially dancing that corporate line. Some of those people, even from corporate media that were just suddenly broke off and were like, yeah, there's a problem here. Still, that kind of that kind of waffling point about how there is some use to it. It helps fifties and olders and so on from severe problem. I don't believe that personally, but still would argue that we shouldn't give it to kids. Like that kind of point, right? Those kind of people have been screaming about this problem for a year. That not just about that there's a technocratic great reset problem, you know, all the, the deeper part of it, but just simply that they knew there's a problem. They knew that they weren't doing things right. They knew they were skimming over research or not listening to their experts, and here they are admitting it. Yet those people were censored. Those people were attacked. Those people, high-level people, people, the senior editor of the British Medical Journal, right? Very educated, highly credentialed people, which, by the way, none of that is ultimately, it, it matters. But at the end of the day, you have just as much right as a person with a degree to speak up and argue things and challenge things. But the point is they all got censored and they're not working to worry about them. In the narrative of the world today, they're debunked conspiracy theorists, and that will never go away. They don't want that to go away. This is about hiding it. Here's what it says. August 17th. First only, by the way, just so we can make sure that's clear, only Sharon Lafranery. <laughs> Ruining that name, I'm sure. Somebody, I guess, was it French maybe? I don't know. Let me know how to pronounce it. August 17th. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, the director of the CDC, on Wednesday delivered a sweeping rebuke not really, of her agency's handling of the coronavirus pandemic, saying it had failed to respond quickly enough and needed to be overhauled. I mean, that's the first paragraph. So your argument is that you didn't quarantine fast enough, that you didn't inject people quick enough, that you didn't push studies out fast enough, even though your own people are saying one of the biggest problems is that we're being forced to push things out fast. I mean, that even says that in this article. And one of her sweeping changes is pushing things out faster against the expert advice of the experts pushing out the data. I'll show you that in a second. This is in the changing. I mean, my God, even when they're saying we're going to change everything for the better, they're not still listening to the people. That they should. It's, just, it's crazy. But realize a rebuke, sweeping rebuke of their handling of this would not be to double down on the wrong action. It would be to argue that they hid data, that they altered things without telling people or they, they held back very important data that mattered in regard to the next step or 
I don't know, any number of other things using PCR cycle thresholds or pushing these ideas again, you know, hiding the illusion, the pandemic of the unvaccinated lie, all these different things that they knew and we know they knew that's that's not in there anywhere. It says, in a meeting with senior staff, Walensky outlined in broad terms a plan to reorganize the agency's structure and prioritize public health needs. So listen, this is a group that's been lying to you. We all know that. We've all proven that. Everybody, even the corporate, even the fact that they feel they need to apologize shows you that they know that too. But then all they're really saying is we're going to reorganize and focus more on exactly what we were concerned about, the control over your health. This is a group that just push the idea of forcing vaccinations or rather mandating them or rather creating a situation where you couldn't live your life without them. And now they're going to double down and prioritize that exact situation. Now, look, I'm not pretending I don't understand that the CDC, as we're supposed to pretend it exists, is a, an agency focused on health. But I'm just simply saying that it was, a, this is a group that bought that should basically be stepped aside for the moment and not just the same people checking themselves out and then saying we're okay again. This is like the idea of we investigated ourselves and found ourselves not guilty. That's what's happening right now. And I'll show you because the HHS is going to step in and say, it looks good. Let's move forward. But it says, and efforts to curb continuing outbreaks. So again, so the point is they're just tripling, quadrupling down on their ability, apparently, to control outbreaks, even though they're saying we failed catastrophically. But again, it's much, much more than that. The controlling of the outbreaks, which I'm going to show you again in this article that I've showed many times, but just to reiterate, since it's a good time to do so, is the problem. Their focus on using these pandemics to justify their very presence is exactly what the WHO called out back in 2011. And now they're going to curb those outbreaks even further. The point is it's an, it should be an advisory role where they tell people what they're seeing, not scream for weeks on end about the smallest things discovered, but tell you when there's a problem and say, here's what we recommend. Make your own choices. That's what it's supposed to be. It says, and to put less emphasis on publication of scientific papers about rare diseases. By the way, that's one part that's been removed or changed at the very least. And I'll show you. But ask yourself this. What is the point about public, the, the emphasis on publishing papers about rare things? Why is that even remotely in the wheelhouse? I mean, they should be researching stuff if you believe that's what they're really doing. Catalog, cataloging, researching, making sure these things aren't becoming problems but constantly pumping out the information that the corporate media grabs and goes, this new thing that we have no reason to think is dangerous, that we have no reason to think is spreading from humans to, to humans, that is not very dangerous, they leave all that out, is everywhere in China and we're talking about the new possible pandemic and that's what they do. Pigs and sheep and whatever else is happening. So her point is, they're going to put less emphasis on that, which shows you they know that that is not their point. Now, why would they remove that in the secondary part? The steps announced on Wednesday grew out of an external review Walensky had ordered in April. Right. So as they're watching their house burn down because they know nobody trusts them anymore, they order a review of what they're doing, hoping that would probably you know, slow down the push of saying you guys sh shouldn't even exist. After months of scathing criticism of the CDC's response to the pandemic, its public messages on masking and other mitigation measures were sometimes so confusing or abruptly modified that they seemed more like internal drafts than carefully considered proclamations. Can you guess what part of that was taken out? The entire paragraph. Like, let's just take, where is it? Masking. Here's not even the newest version of it. This is just the next day, early in the day. Masking. Oh, look at that. If you guys can see, you can see this, right? Masking shows up nowhere in this article. I mean, why don't we just check next to him and for the one above it too? The idea of 
scientific papers of rare diseases. That's the second paragraph and third paragraph. Here we are. Let's find the second and third. Okay, weird. Everything below the first paragraph is different. Literally different. Isn't that crazy? I mean, literally, what they actually took out, for, this is 475 years part, is a direct quote from Walensky that's not there anymore. You, you, they literally removed an entire direct quote from Walensky. You know why? You'll, I'll show you why, because of what it says. But realize that they removed this stuff because it shows you, I mean, even though this is, even the first draft of this is a manipulation of the bigger picture, but then the, the New York Times team stepped in and goes, whoa, let's water this down. That's a little bit too hesitant. I mean, that's my guess at it, but think about that. The point is, sometimes so confusing and abruptly modified, I mean, that sh- and then it seems like more like internal drafts. It's showing you that they're pumping things out when they're not sure, but standing by it as if they're 100% certain, and then using that not certainty, faking certainty, to push things in kids' arms. That's criminal. That's crazy. And that's the point of what they're ultimately saying. We push things out too fast. You didn't know, you mean? You mean you acted like you had absolute standing when you didn't, and you put people in jail based on that or they didn't but they that argument did it allowed people to do so that's a big deal so instead they completely water it down now i'm not going to dance back and forth because it gets confusing i'll go I'll, i'll look at the next one next and you'll see that it's very very different now it says the public guidance has been confusing and overwhelming according to a brief document provided by the agency again that part was taken out leaders of the agency's covid team rotated out after only a few months leaving the senior federal health officials unsure about who was in charge yeah that sounds pretty mad like the idea that they don't even know who's in charge they don't know what's going on i bet you there's a lot more behind that statement than we realize and important data were sometimes inexplicably released too late to inform federal decisions including some data on breakthrough infections that could have influenced a recommendation on whether to authorize authorize a round of booster shots which by the way don't forget were authorized Emergency authorized at a time when they shouldn't have been authorized emergency wise anyway, because they already had approved versions, which makes an emergency authorization blatantly illegal. Also having alternative uses like even their claim to Paxlovid. But all these facts that on the record literally argue you shouldn't be allowed to emergency authorize anything when those two things exist don't matter. None of that's even included. But the point is they were authorized anyway. So the argument you could take away from that is the, the information they oops brought too late to the table would have added to the point that we shouldn't have done that. That's what we are now seeing. The data is very... And by the way, even with the too late data that didn't come soon enough from the CDC, the FDA was like, don't do this. These are... We do not have enough data that this is right. And they they said, screw you people. Not really. They said no. And the people resigned in protest and they went forward anyway. This is at a time when even Israel's government and plenty of other people were saying we shouldn't do this. Now we're at a point where they're going, we should slow down these boosters because they're hurting people's immune systems. We say it online. They call you conspiracy theorist and they're openly saying it on public talking points. They, this whole thing has broke these people. I don't think that was intentional. Their own corporate media is spinning. I actually just funny enough saw that Brian Stelter is pushed out on CNN now. I just think that's hilarious. All these people, all these high-minded people screaming that they know what's right and you guys are challenging them or the idea that you call them fake news is putting the, is is attacking them and they have their protected class and taking these high stances about how misinformation is shall- oh you're fired. I I wonder why. Maybe because the CDC group at very least is arguing they're trying to revamp their setting. You know, a refocus on journalism. Well, gee, what were they doing this whole time then? That's the point, guys. These people were talking heads that were towing a line and maybe they didn't even know that. But people like Brian Stelter were the worst. 
They were the absolute worst, acting like this person that could check everything and fact check, and they were only towing lines about na- narratives. They just, she just got pushed out. I mean, you don't get fired when you've been doing a great job on the COVID narrative, right? Anyway, too late to inform decisions. Or you could argue they made sure it didn't come out at a time when they wanted these things to be pushed. Don't forget, the data from Pfizer's information that we know they had from the very beginning has been proven to show that they knew, just like I reported in 2020 and Forbes reported in 2020, that they never would stop transmission, period. And here we are with those things being pushed under the guise that they would stop transmission. Quote, for 75 years, CDC and public health have been preparing for COVID-19. That's the quote that was removed in the next one. For 75 years, she says, the CDC and public health are preparing for COVID-19. Now, obviously, you're supposed to take that as, you know, whatever the big pandemic was going to be. But it's an interesting statement, isn't it? 75 years been preparing for COVID-19, name it specifically. Why wouldn't you just say we're preparing for a pandemic? And in our big moment, so apparently COVID was their big moment. Isn't that weird? A moment when you're arguing it's been catastrophically damaging and people have died, but that's your big moment. Our performance did not reliably meet expectations. (laughs) Yeah, that's a thing. That should go on their tombstone. Our performance did not reliably meet expectations. (laughs) Yeah, this is just laugh out loud ridiculous yeah and you know you killed a lot of people and you forced a lot of things and ruined people's lives and lied and covered things up i mean everything you did that that is the worst understatement of the century or biggest however you'd frame that dr walensky said in a startling acknowledgement of the agency's failings yeah 0.001 percent of them but my goal as she puts it is a new public health action oriented that's scary culture at CDC that emphasizes accountability, collaboration, communication, and timeliness. Right. This is just, she's a politician. That's what's happening right now. Don't forget. She was, they spent, they spent like 20 grand to get her media training. That's not something you expect from the CDC. That's because they, I argue they knew this was going to become a media discussion point, but not this exact thing, but COVID-19. But think about that. Public health action oriented. Now that's not what they're supposed to be. The CDC, I I guess you could argue that in a way of like deploying people to investigate sort of thing. But the idea that I take that as action oriented is driving policy and in fact, going out and enforcing policy, sort of like the IRS people now arm up 87 new agents and have these woke random people that can barely tie their shoes, go out and enforce what they want to enforce against people because of their taxes. Scary or whatever that becomes. Somebody made a great comment about that on Twitter that said, oh, that's where all the contact tracers went. Yeah. Big surprise. But it says the agency has been criticized for years as too insular and academic. Interesting. That's not even remotely what most people are criticizing it about. That's what they want you to think most people are criticizing it about. Focusing too heavily on the science. No, no, no. That's the opposite of what's been happening. Many of its experts are accustomed. This is my point I made earlier. Many of their experts are accustomed to conducting narrowly focused research that undergoes lengthy reviews implying that's not what happened this time. And they are uneasy with the kind of urgent action needed to address the coronavirus. Now, that's the point. Nobody wants them to take urgent action. We want you to advise. If you don't know, say you don't know. Don't push out something because that's what the government wants, because that's what's happening. The White House and politics were guiding science and not the other way around. In fact, kicking it in the butt and pushing it forward regardless of what it wanted to do. And it says, and they're uneasy with the kind of urgent action needed to address the coronavirus. And now... The monkeypox outbreak. Right. Because that's even still being framed as the next thing, as it doesn't even like it just it's, it doesn't even matter what you think. It doesn't even matter what the facts say. It's just because that's the thing we're looking at now. I support this new thing, right? 
It's just, it's not there. I mean, I actually, I'm going to talk about monkeypox in another show because they're now arguing there's been all these deaths. And it is so incredibly up in the air, in my opinion, at the very least, that these are even actually monkeypox. But the bottom line is, even if they were the deaths, they're saying just because the, the argument being there, you could point at literally any other problem in existence right now. And there's way more deaths. How about just drinking or cigarettes or tuberculosis or any other thing that we continue to point at that we don't even care about? Or at least it's not the corporate conversation, but we have one death here and it's because that's the thing they're focusing on. It's like COVID all over again. 40 new cases today. Well, what's the context? 40 cases? Is that even a big deal? Are they even that dangerous? Are they spreading? Well, guess what? Now they're pushing the idea that it's not even close contact anymore. I think it's NBC just came out and said, nope, nope. It's only gay men having sex. That's it. That's all we're seeing. It's not even close to close contact. Now, is that true? I don't trust anything the corporate media says. But think about what that does. That doesn't even make sense. Why they would then be pushing injections for little kids and everybody else. But it doesn't matter. Everything means nothing. Nothing means everything. Lengthy reviews, their agents, their, their experts are, are uncomfortable with pushing action, basically you arguing that they need to say something, and that's more important than being right. That's what that says. And their experts are not okay with that. And it, just remember that. It's, she's going to say the opposite in a second. In an interview on Monday, Walensky said she had repeatedly pushed staff members to turn around COVID-19 data as fast as possible. Quote, some of the data are messy and some of the data take time. She said, I've really tried hard to push data out when we had it. Well, that's not the same. That doesn't, that's not data is the point is if you're pushing these things out before they're reviewed, there could be problems, mistakes. It could be incorrect. It could be based on faulty research, but that's what the experts are trying to tell her. What she's admitting there is that we just pushed it out anyway, as fast as possible. And, and by the way, Data when they have it, that's not true either. That's why they intentionally got caught for it, intentionally pushed data from a, six months before and argued a point that we were at today, even though I was referencing data from today or last month that was far more relevant, and everybody else was too, but they pushed out data from six months ago to say, nope, fake news, he's lying. And they got caught for it. It was embarrassing. So they had that data. They just didn't put it out. They put out something else. That's dishonest. That's an intentional lie. The external review Walensky ordered was led by James McRae, who has held senior positions in the Department of Health and Human Services, which oversees the CDC. He interviewed about 120 people inside the and outside the agency. His report was not released. One official said it was being completed. Oh, good. So the HHS is the one making sure the CDC is doing what they're supposed to because the HHS has been completely squeaky clean throughout this problem, right? It's the same thing. The HHS is the, is the, is the <laughs> CDC is subordinate to the HHS. It's all the same damn thing. The CDC is just taking the brunt of the focus of the problem. The HHS, as we talked about right in the beginning of this, with people like Robert Cadleck before he danced to the side stage, is a huge part of this. It's, this is the same point. We investigated ourselves and we found ourselves not guilty. We didn't do anything criminal. We just did the wrong thing in our effort to try to do right by everyone. This forlorn hero, God dang it, I'm tired of them framing themselves like this. He interviewed about 120 people. Wow. Now we know, right? Whew, crazy. The changes Dr. Walensky described include an appointment of a former Obama administration official. Right, that's a, that's a change for the better, she's arguing, to lead the CDC shift to a stronger public health focus. So we're all concerned about how they manipulated the whole thing, but now they're going to bring in an Obama official and focus even harder on making sure we get vaccinated. Are we good? All solved, right? 
Two scientific divisions will now report directly to Wilinski's office. Oh, now I feel better. And the agency will cut down review time for urgently needed studies. What? Okay, so let's just dance back really quickly. So right here, they're saying many of its experts, so most, I would assume, are accustomed to conducting narrowly focused research that undergoes lengthy reviews. You know, that's in the interest of actual, actually being correct. You know, not just transparency, but what's the word I'm looking for? Accountability? No, but being correct. is There's a word I'm looking for that I can't bring to mind. And they are uneasy with urgent action needed to address this problem. So her solution to that, to cut down review time. So we'll just tell them, don't worry about it. We won't need that much review time because we'll cut that review time in half for the studies that we argue that we need. For those ones that are proving we're wrong about everything, we'll let that die into the ground for the next 20 years. That's my opinion, of course. The agency is also altering its promotion system so that it rewards efforts to make an impact on public health. What does that mean? Gee, well, if you want to read, how about I'll read between the lines and what I would see that as altering promotion systems to promote those that toe the line, promote those that are okay with cutting urgent needed transparency and research time to make sure we're correct and instead just pumping out whatever toes the line and is less heavily based on a number of scientific papers published. So less based on the science and more on, well, I arguably being that the people will be promoted for how they make an impact. Now, I would love to see how that's defined instead of being based on how many scientific papers they can publish. Now, I argue secondarily there that we shouldn't be focusing on just how many papers they can pump out because that drives them to pump out papers that are wanted, desired, and won't be pushed back on by the people that will then give them a pat on the head and give them a promotion. But what's the impact supposed to mean? And see, from a person's, from the mainstream perspective, they're going, well, of course, do right by the people. Of course, keep you healthy and safe. Well, why in the world would you assume that? Because people are tapped into wanting to believe that. Most people don't buy it anymore. That's what this is supposed to dissuade, I guess. The briefing document said Walensky wanted staff members to produce data for action as opposed to data for publication. Now, this is where it gets into the idea that basically what they're talking about is, pro- is produce data to be then point to, to, to justify what they're going to tell you needs to be done. Now, I'm, that would be fine by me as long as they didn't act like that then translated into your absolute necessity, that you have to do what they say because your government's going to force you to or social credit or stop you from getting the bus or say your job's going to fire you if you don't, those kind of things, because that's where this is leading. Either way, data for publication is just as important as data for action. It should be simultaneous. But it's weird they want to shift away from that. And I would argue primarily because the data for publication, now that those of us are who are actually, I don't even want to say it like that, who are trusting the scientific method and continuing to actually engage with every scientific study and break them down and add it to the body of research and come to a continual general conclusion about all of it and not just the newest thing they want to put in front of you. Those of, that's, tr- that's trusting the scientific method. The ones screaming trust the science are going to just trust whatever they put in front of them. We need those publications that show the full breakdown of the data so other experts who have a will have a different of a opinion can speak up and point it out. Importantly, it says the agency will beef up the team that responds to public health emergencies. Right, exactly. Not the information, but the people that respond to these things where that's what they're focusing on. It's going to become just like I would argue, like I wouldn't be surprised if we see CDC people armed and enforcement arms of this. That's where this goes. Call me crazy. A lot of people do. I'm just predicting what I think is coming. And I tend to be right. But 
being, you know, six months, a year ahead of time doesn't work for the people in the corporate media or in the independent half the time. Conspiracy theory, we scream until now they're forcing passports in your face. Oh, now it's right. Who said that 20 years ago? I forget now. But a new executive team will be created to, to set priorities and make decisions about how to spend the agency's annual budget of $12 billion that you pay for with a bias toward public health impact. There's that word impact again. I argue that's going to come boiling down to like COVID numbers, things that are completely manipulatable, things that they themselves have been caught lying about. Just a guess, but that's going to be like quantifiable impact, I argue, and that's what it's going to come down to. So as long as their people are producing data that can impact things in the way they want them to, you can't miss that part of it, then they'll get promoted. And the CDC is working on improving its public messaging. Dr. Walensky, who has already shaken up the agency's communications division, wants to make sure guidance is issued in a plain language and easy to understand. Now, here's what's interesting to me. That's the only time this first edition of this, they mention the idea that they want something that's dumbed down enough that you dumb peons out there that can barely tie your shoes can just take what they're saying and go, uh-huh. That's what they want. Let's not pretend like that hasn't been clear. As the corporate media says, don't try to read the science. You're too stupid. Listen to what we tell you, it says. Just like with anything else they tried to tell you and anybody that was smart enough to go, well, let's just take a look and see. We're like, whoa, that's not even remotely what it says. The reality is that's why they're now apologizing, even if they're not saying that's why they're apologizing. But read it again. Make sure guidance, not science, but what they write down for you is issued in an easy way to understand. So is anybody confused about the guidance they put forward now? That's like bullet points, like wear a mask 10 days long after this. It's like, well, I'm confused. Can you make that simpler for me? That's not what, that's what they're pretending is happening. What they're really trying to say, what they're really trying to make people think is that it was because they just were trying to be too scientific and people couldn't understand and all those conspiracy theorists made it difficult. So now we're going to come out with our guidance that says, you're going to die if you don't do this, do that. Three sentences and that's all you need. This is kind of like the people in Google that said a long time ago that they're, they, the perfect situation would be if, they, if you searched on Google and you just got one result and that one result was exactly what you wanted. Second part, of course, is a not necessity. Now, it's not a necessity for them. They're arguing that they will tell you, I'm looking for this and here's what you need to look at. That's actually what they said, not have a bunch of information. Nowadays, you can literally search verbatim for something. And if it mentions COVID-19, you get 30,000 articles of what, here's the COVID notion you should know. Here's what everyone wants you to think. Well, that's not even what I typed out. I was, you know, the point is they don't care what you type out. They don't care right here what you think. They just want to make sure that it's easy to digest. And if you do something else, then you're crazy. But let's go to the next one. Here is the next day, like not even 24 hours later. Oh, look at that. Looks like uh, Noah Whelan just forced his way in there. I didn't even look it up. He's probably, actually, let's just do this. He's probably a editor, I would imagine. Just a guess. Let's see what it says. Health reporter. No, just health reporter. In any case, he's somebody else that, I guess, I mean, he didn't just choose to do that. New York Times writer wouldn't be like, I'm going to write this with you, whether you want it or not. The editorial team made a choice and said, we need you to update this. Because apparently Sharon was too honest. That'd be my thought. Updated. And here's my point about this. Guys, they're not stupid. They understand that from, from a journalism standpoint, a journalistic integrity demands that if they make alterations to an article after being published, that they need to notate what that was. But now all of the corporate media in an interest of propaganda have at all they do now is just go updated 805. 
Now, they don't go updated again over here in every update. No, no, no. They're linked to anything. They'll just, next time they do it, they'll be updated 809 or updated, I mean, the next day or whatever. So you, for in between that and when it started, there could be 75 edits and you wouldn't even know. They just go updated 805. Okay, how so? What'd you change? Why'd you change it? Who cares? New York Times, the Journal of Honesty, or whatever they call themselves. Fighting dark, democracy dies in darkness. Who, who knows what they're, I think that's Washington Post. All these stupid mantras. The point is, though, that they changed almost everything. <laughs> There's nowhere in here where it says we updated this article or changed it because of this. They just put updated, and most people don't even know that. So the top part of this, oh, this was the part that I, oh, I forgot I didn't highlight that. Right. So here it, you notice that this to be frank part, doesn't, it's not there. To be frank, we, we are responsible for some pretty dramatic, pretty public mistakes from testing to data to communications. This is what she this is what Walensky said. Now, that's important as well, which I'm pretty sure I forget. No, it's that's there in the new one. But you see what they took out was the first part. The, the, the part about the steps and external review, the public, I mean, the, the, the confusing and overwhelming, the so confusing, abruptly modified, you know, the real picture about how they didn't know what was happening and said so anyway. So instead, all they changed that to was testing data communications. So they give you a broad, flimsy, not deep overview because they don't want you to know. And apparently that was Noah that stepped in and said, nah, water that down. That's going to create vaccine hesitancy. Testing the data communication. So testing is obviously a problem. They had pretty dramatic, dramatic, pretty public mistakes. For what then? Why don't you explain for us what happened that was a big problem? Well, no, we're not going to do that. Testing? Don't you want to know what they did that was public mistakes and testing? Well, we know, though, guys. They're just not saying it. They're acting like they're now going to do more. More testing, more everything else. But they made huge mistakes here, and they don't even want to really get into it. CDC future depended on whether it could absorb these lessons of the last few years, during which much of the public lost trust in the agency's ability to handle a pandemic that killed more than 1 million Americans. No, you can't keep saying that. We have shown beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is a wide net that caught all sorts of things that were not COVID related. They've had to admit that. Yet they still pivot back to the same gigantic number that they argue is absolute. And if you challenge it, you're going to be censored. But then we could point out a million examples of where they said, well, you know, you could die from a clear alternate cause and would still count as a COVID death. Well, they all tell you that. Just to make that point, again, they always continue to be a million people have died. This is our watershed moment, they say. We must pivot. Acting like they're just going, we'll make it better. We know we made mistakes and they're not admitting their mistakes. Her admission of the agency's failing came after she received the findings of an examination she ordered, which, by the way, they're not making public. Why? Not yet, they say. Maybe it'll be made public soon. But don't forget, that's a review performed by the HHS. Dr. Walensky laid out her basic conclusion from review. The CDC must refocus itself on public health needs. In an interview, she stressed that hundreds of Americans were still dying each day from coronavirus and that while the country has not yet seen deaths from the outbreak of a new disease, monkeypox, it's presented some of the same challenges. Why would that even remotely make sense? Something that is so minuscule compared to literally anything else we point at. I'm not trying to diminish something that may be a problem because I don't know for sure. What I'm saying is just the number of cases and deaths and what we're talking about is a blip on the radar compared to what they point at from COVID or tuberculosis or even flu for that matter. You know, when it doesn't just randomly disappear and get dumped into COVID. The point is, how are you arguing it's challenging your agency? That this is just what the mantra is. The NHS is overwhelmed this flu season. Next year, we're overwhelmed with flu. This year, we're overwhelmed with COVID. Guess what? Now we're going to have a twindemic. We're going to be overwhelmed next winter. They do it every single year. 
It's not hard to point out. So now monkeypox is hurt. It's just, it, this is a, they want you to think they need more funding. They need more action. They need more support. Guess what? We should reimagine it. What do you think? But hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans are, are what she said, whereas hundreds of Americans were dying still each day from coronavirus. Now what's happening though, is hundreds of people, thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people are dying regularly from things that they don't have. We're baffled. We're so confused on what's happening and it's very obvious what's happening. And even those deaths they're pointing at are usually people that have been injected. And that's what the data shows. And that's why they don't want you to see. One of the biggest things they were involved in is hiding that from you. But it says the CDC has been criticized for years as being too academic and too insular. That's the same point, you know, too focused on the science, which is not what's happening. I thought I had some of these highlights to make sure I'm missing anything. Right. So, you know, that point about the Obama person, they kind of just skim over it for the most part. Like why they needed to literally revamp the entire article is just very strange and very obvious. Even the mea culpa has to be re-edited, right? Doesn't make sense until you realize they're all dishonest. Can she do it? I don't know. Does it absolutely need to be done? Yes. Reorganize. She it just needs a reorganization that is required. Others will, said it was difficult to judge without the more without more information. Oh, wait, I think that's what I did over here. Oh, that's right. That's right. See, I'm confusing myself. See, wasting time. So I, I updated over here on some of the parts. This was meant to just be the overlap to show you some parts that I saw in here. That's right. Glad I caught that before I went through the whole thing. The point was, though, you can see very clearly that some of these aren't here in regard to the... I, I made the point already. We'll just go to the last part of it. So just so it was clear, in case I fumbled that and made it make clear, that this was just the next day, not even 24 hours later, and they already added another writer, updated and changed almost literally everything, and then not even hours later. This is the current, this is the current thing as of today, but right, probably been edited three times since I started. And just so you guys remember, this is on the easy to read. Uh, I use this highlighter, and there's a, there's a simplified article version, and sometimes that fights past the paywall, which it did this time. Just so you know, because right now, if you want to look at it, it's behind a paywall. Like that, you know, like like all succeeding corporate media is right. Being facetious, right? That means they're desperate for your money because they're failing. But the point is, as it says, Walensky, the director of the CDC on Wednesday, delivered a sweeping rebuke. We already read that saying it failed to respond quickly enough and needed to be overhauled. Even but even slight alterations like why are those words better or different? Why do you feel why do you feel like it's okay to like regularly update and edit your article? It's very, very dishonest. To be frank, we're responsible for some pretty dramatic and pretty public mistakes. Walensky said the CDC's future depended on whether it could absorb the lessons of the past few years. Right? We read that one. Her administra- her her admission of the agency's failings came after she received the findings of the examination. Walensky laid out her basic conclusion from the view in candid terms. The CDC must refocus itself, respond much faster. To emergencies, see, and this is this is different. Respond much faster to emergencies and outbreaks of diseases, and provide information in a way that or this is again, this is so so uh, uh, patronizing, and provide information in a way that ordinary people and state and local health authorities can understand and put to use. You know, you dumb idiots out there, to make sure you guys can read it very ordinary people, all you peons, not not in our technocratic elitist circles, you know, the ruling the world types. No, no, no. You guys, you know, Joe over there in the corner, he'll be fine. He can read it because we're going to break it down in simple chapter and verse for you, you know? Local, but see, it's strange that they argue that they need to make it digestible for health authorities. Health authorities, by the way, in a lot of t- cases have far more credentials than Dr. Well, Dr. Walensky. But yeah, but she's going to manage the dumbing down essentially of the data so the health authorities can understand it that's a very strange thing to say isn't it 
I bet you they're suggesting only the conservative ones, probably, (laughs) however you want to take that. But the point is simple that this is about manipulating the data, in my opinion, to make it easier to digest. So it's not even about science. It's about talking points, more so than we've seen today. Funny enough, I just caught this out of the corner of my eye. I would love to have Viva Frey on the show. I love his work. But he's he's like me in the way that he's got a lot going on and he's focused on a lot of breaking stuff down. But I'd love to have him on. If somebody knows him, reach out. I'd love to have him on. Just saw that in the chat, by the way, if it was in the podcast. <clears throat> now, going forward, this this was just a part that's, uh, it's when you do the simple article, it doesn't matter. You can skip the next part. It says, in an interview with on Monday, Lewinsky stressed that hundreds of Americans were still dying each day from the coronavirus, and that while the country has not yet seen deaths from monkeypox, it's presented new challenges. Others said it ha- was difficult to judge her based on the fact the report wasn't released. We said this for the most part. Just saying we're strengthening this and that, the devil is in the details here. This is Dr. Howard Merkel saying, look, you can't just come out and be like, we have a report that says we need to change. And we're not going to show it to you, but we're changing stuff. We're sorry. Well, okay. <laughs> that, does, that only flies for those that have already forgiven you, regardless of what you say, because it's not about they were never even unhappy with you. The devil's in the details. Exactly. So when you find out that they're only tripling down on the exact same problems by acting like they're changing, well, that's quite a detail. The agency has been under fire since the outset of the coronavirus pandemic two and a half years ago. It bent to political pressure, and this is so insulting to your intelligence, because by the way, it did do this, but it did even more so during Biden's administration. The New York Times writes, it bent to political pressure from the Trump White House to alter key public health guidance or withhold it from the public. But apparently only in Trump's administration, right? By the way, that happened a lot in the beginning, especially around the vaccine and everything else, but it's happened far more under Biden. Now, I argue if Trump was in the position, it would probably be the same way. It's just the evolution of the same narrative. They handed off that baton. Trump started it up, declared the emergency, Defense Production Act, Vax Warp Speed, vaccine production, everything, and they just handed the baton off and, and Biden just made it worse, like you would have expected. But the point is, then it goes on to say, decisions that cost it a measure of public trust that experts say it is still not recaptured. So you're telling me that two years under Biden hasn't recaptured that trust? So they means they're doing the same thing? Yes. But New York Times doesn't have the honesty or the courage to say yes, but Biden's doing the same because they're politically motivated and not actual journalists. It also made it own its own serious errors, including deploying a faulty COVID-19 test. That set back the nation's efforts to curtail the spread of the virus. That's a very interesting statement. Now, I promise you what they want you to take that as is that one test they said was was a problem. And they pulled that one test back in that one area. That that was a story that went out. I argue to cover the real picture was that the COVID-19 PCR focus was an illusion. Which, by the way, I'm going to play at the end today, which I have here. That's been this, this the same point. The epidemic that wasn't New York Times even covered it in 2007, but I guess they magically forgot about it. Showing you the PCR test is guaranteed to create the illusion, which it already has back in the day. We'll come back to that. The point, though, is that could also be taken as deploying the, the PCR test, which then caused a problem. But now, but they're still using that for now and for monkeypox. So that can't be what they. I mean, let's actually see what this is discussing. It says. CDC virus tests were contaminated and poorly designed. Maybe the argument for why they pushed into the PCR test, but just saying a COVID-19 test kind of leaves that up in the air. But I kind of want, I think they want people to act like they're apologizing for the things that we think while not actually saying that. It says its public guidance has often been confusing even to public health experts. How does that even possibly make sense? Public health experts are experts. 
at least in the argument of what they're saying. These public health experts, just because they're not at the CDC or the White House, don't make them any less or even in many cases make them far more credentialed. That went to better schools, that have far more background, and they just happen to end up at a state level instead of the White House. Or however you look at it, there's plenty of more trustworthy, better educated experts in local public health areas around the country, as opposed to the CDC, the HHS, or the White House, right? So how in the world are you going to argue that the CDC data, which, by the way, we break down with ease, it's not that difficult, and that's the truth about it. It's, there's, there's Outside of some scientific uh, processes and words, the bottom conclusion or the general breakdown of the methods and the results are very clear. It's not hard to understand, and they want you to think that. And at the very least, if it is, take it upon yourself to research it, understand the words. And how about this? Even if you read it and misunderstand it, that's not your fault. I mean, I guess the point is it's your fault for misunderstanding it, but that's okay is the point. You're allowed to do that. To hide that data under a guise that your misunderstanding will fuel conspiracy theories is the most flimsy psyop I've seen in a long time. That's a weak argument to hide the data that was showing the opposite of what they wanted you to see. And now they're arguing that, what, how about they name the witch experts because they won't do that because then that would, they would stand up and be like, yeah. that's like saying Carrie Mullis doesn't understand the PCR test. These people, probably the ones that were calling out that they were lying. But all they're going to do is dumb it down so it's talking points instead of actual data. That's what this keeps getting to. It says she outlined in broad terms how she hopes, Walensky, hopes to transform operations by emphasizing public health needs, especially with a quicker response to emergencies like infectious disease outbreaks. So instead of taking time to understand these things and instead of understanding them, looking for measured response, they're continuing to double down on rapid push quick emerging problems, quick jump to action before we know what's happening because just in case, again, that's what the WHO in 2011 was screaming was why we were hurting ourselves. And all he did was push them away, hide it, and hire new people. But what she's doing here is continuing to fail in the same way harder and acting like that's a, be that's a solution. One of her top priorities is to deliver clear, concise messages about public health threats in plain language that can be grasped without sifting through voluminous pages of a website. Right. So instead of intentionally making confusing with 47 pages of the same misconstrued information, which is what they did on purpose, which even other experts are pointing out, the way that they intentionally break these things down and it ends up being 37 pages on a spreadsheet that you have to download, that wasn't, that wasn't an accident. That was intentionally meant to make it almost impossible to break down even by experts. And that's kind of what they're admitting there because that was a deception, not that health experts had a problem understanding it. But what we're talking about here is insulting you again, acting like you're too stupid to understand this. So what we're going to do is boil it down to what we want you to see. That's not what anybody should want, seeing as how they just got caught lying 50,000 times throughout this process. Now it says... Dr. David Dowdy, an epidemiologist at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, says messages to the general public need to be very clear, very simple, and very straightforward, not framed for scientists. Well, isn't that what they've already done? Yes, is the answer. If you look at any of these ridiculous guidance on CDC website pages, they're written for children. They are literally written like you are six years old and just learning, well, I guess, what would it be? I don't even know. That's so strange. When you learn to read, I guess some people are younger than others, but whatever. They are just learning to read. I'm not even making that up. We all know that. It's ridiculous. So how can it get simpler? By just putting, you need to wear a mask if this happens. Why? Doesn't matter. 
Simple, straightforward. If you have this, you get that. End of story. Do what you're told. That's what this gets to. Two scientific divisions will now report directly to Walensky. I don't know why. A move that appears aimed at speeding up delivery of data. Right, exactly what her experts said was the problem, but let's do it faster, though, for your guys' benefit. Dr. Walensky hopes to cut down the review time, exactly, for urgently needed studies, emphasizing production of data for action as opposed to data for for publication. In an interview, Walensky said that while, quote, some of the data are messy and some of the data take time, I've really tried hard to push data out when we had it. Well, you know, so just punching things out before you even know what's going on and then arguing, you know, based on that data, which is what happened numerous times. I mean, so you're just going, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to do exactly what we did during COVID-19 and call it something else. So you really could boil this down to another definition change, right? We're sorry. We did all these things. Now we're going to review everything and we're going to do them all harder. Is that okay? Did we succeed? Many of the CDC's experts are accustomed to conducting narrowly focused, same point I wrote, I wrote, it's right there. And they're uneasy with the kind of urgent action needed to address the threats, but we're going to do it faster though. The type of research is still critical, many experts say. Quote, having expertise in those rare diseases is very valuable. Okay, wait a minute. That's interesting. You want to know how they just made a big mistake here? No, he's responding to something. Or rather, this paragraph is meant to follow something else that was discussing rare diseases. Now, if you look, what's weird is it'll say, if you guys, I think you guys can see this, it says there are two mentions of rare. However, there's not, though which usually means that it's on some back part that you can't see on the main part for like those that run websites. But you can look for yourself. There's only one mention of the word rare in this this newest version of the article, right? So where's the other part of it? At the very least, it's not right before this, which would make sense when they're responding to it. You can see it says this test, Dr. Walensky ordered an external review after months of scathing criticism and so on. There's nothing up here about rare diseases. And then out of nowhere, they go, this type of research is still critical. We what type of research? Ah, I see. They forgot that they mentioned less emphasis on publication of papers about rare diseases. Oops. So in their rapid escalation of editing things so it's not as dangerous and hesitant to the vaccines, they just made their article not make sense. Good journalism, New York Times. Well done. I'm an editor, and I do far less work than you, but at the end of the day, that's a pretty stupid mistake. That means it's more about content, context, than information and informing you. Anyway, the point is there should have been that part right there in between it. We're going to put less emphasis on publication of rare diseases. That's why it comes in. Then it says that type of research is still critical, many experts say. You see my point? They just pulled it out and didn't care or aren't fast enough or smart enough to realize that they just made it confusing. Having expertise in those rare diseases is still valuable, and it may become valuable at times that you just don't really know. Right, that's supposed to have that second part. I don't know why they don't want you to know that. I argue it's because that's going to continue. The idea of hyping unknown problems is how they keep you scared. I think monkeypox is a great example. A year ago, people would have asked why have a monkeypox expert. Or you might want to consider whether that is what drove the focus on it, which is what the WHO part will say next. And some of the CDC's problems are beyond its control. Oh, they just can't handle it. Much of its funding is tied to work on specific diseases and cannot be shifted. To address public health threats? You want to explain that? Right, so the funding that it controls with the with the HHS, they're not allowed to alter? They can't be like, that's no longer valid for us? Now we can maintain the contracts, but you're going to pretend like they have to maintain research on these things? 
because that's when you get into the gain of function, the coordination with the NIH and the NIA and what they're actually doing with all this stuff. Much of that funding that you pay for is doing things that you don't even get to see. The agency also lacks legal authority to compel state and local health departments to deliver public health data. Exactly what it should be, though. There, this, this is a web. Anybody anywhere could look this stuff up and find out if they cared about what the CDC was saying. The local, the local health departments are put there by the government that's been elected by the local people. If you still believe that's how it works, the point would be that they're beholden or the constituents are the ones they care about. So if they get the data and they personally disagree with it, they have a right not to show it to you. The point is that it's there. It's an advisory role. But see, they're arguing because they won't do what we're telling them. That's a problem. All this is building and hinting at the idea that they need more what actionable or the ability to make action happen. Sort of like the WHO going, we need a treaty with teeth. We need to make amendments that force you to do what we say. Same kind of version is happening here. But that is their mea culpa. No mention of the vaccine lies. No mention of the fact that they pushed masks with things on, with, 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 while knowing that they're dangerous. No mention of everything else that they've proven. What about where, okay, you just removed the idea of spike protein and mRNA staying in your body with no mention. And you have a mea culpa about how you made mistakes and that's not even included. Because they don't want, that's, this is not a real apology. This is a damage control effort that's still going to fail. Or how about the idea of the guidance they just gave and how, oops, what we just admitted to without saying it is that we were wrong the whole time. Nope, not even a mention, not even an allude, not even alluding to the idea that they were wrong about vaccine advice. Nope, not nothing. They go, well, the data, we were, the data, we, you, we had to get it out fast, so we made mistakes. No, you were caught blatantly lying and misrepresenting the truth. Walensky and everybody else involved because you guys were towing the line. That's probably why you were hired for. And this is what the WHO was saying back in 2011. And by the way, that's why this is suddenly disappeared. Now, weird, just so you know, this weirdly disappeared right in the middle of COVID-19. Isn't that strange? I, as far as I know, I was the first one to really dive into this in relation to COVID-19, but I'm sure there's other people. But it's weird that we were in 2020 going forward and we were po pointing this out. And then right about 2020, 2021, it just disappeared. Oops, page can't be found. Must be recorrecting the website. No, no, this is just them deleting the data. And here's what it said, 2011. There, and you guys have seen this, but worth reiterating. The, the, the repeated pandemic health scares caused by the avian H5N1 and the new AH1N1, the swine flu push, human influenza viruses are part of the culture of fear. Don't forget, that was the, the, the swine flu was why they changed definitions for the public health emergency of, of international concern and for the CDC to sell vaccines. They altered these definitions to justify a push with no death. H1N1 was declared a pandemic, even though there was no deaths involved. That's how they played this game. That's what this is in response to, in part. It was based on a culture of fear. Worst case thinking replaced balanced risk assessment. Same thing we're doing now. Quick, 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 get it done before we all die. No, that's how they, that's how they get people rushed in and act like they go, oh, well, we did, we did what we thought was right. And we realize now we screwed up. No, no, they made the choices they wanted to. And now they're covering it by acting like they worked as fast and did as what they thought was right in the moment. So instead of worst case thinking, how about you make balanced risk assessment and wait to make these choices based on what we can prove and see. But see, that doesn't work for them. Rather than wait for information, we, needed, they, we need a preemptive strike. That's the argument they're making that's wrong. That's, how, that's the, you know, defining what they set up there. But if but the the bottom line is to jump ahead of it and take action, force quarantine before something happens. We all see them setting that table right now. Even the WHO called them out for it. 
irrational vaccine policies. The pandemic policy was never informed by evidence, but by fear of worst case scenarios. They don't want this to exist anymore. They're trying to rewrite history. In both pandemics of fear that they still point at as pandemics, by the way, the exaggerated claims of a severe public health threat stem primarily from disease advocacy by influenza experts like a Dr. Fauci. The influenza in the excuse me, the pharmaceutical industry and the media only reacted to this welcome boon. We therefore need fewer, not more pandemic preparedness plans or definitions. I mean, you know, how could there's no explanation about this. If this is the WHO in 2011 arguing this, why didn't it change? What happened? Why do these people get shuffled to the side? Because they don't want you seeing this. Even the HHS called this out, and I've showed you that as well. The same time frame. But apparently the, the push for the technocratic biosecurity state was too powerful, and these people just got shut up and shuffled to the side. Disease experts wish to capture public attention and sway resource allocation decisions in the favor of the disease of their interest. The key to responsible policymaking is not bureaucracy, but accountability and independence from interest groups. That's the opposite way we're going right now. Decisions must be based on adaptive responses to emerging problems, not ever-changing definitions. I added the ever-changing for the podcast. And delete, delete, censor, remove, whitewash, because they don't want you to see this stuff. Does that show honesty? Well, now, on top of all of that, Huffington Post just pointed out that COVID vaccines the very thing that we're proving in real time are very dangerous and the treatments to move from government to commercialization by 2023. So now it's just going to be commercialized, right? What does that exactly mean? Well, I, I mean, I could give you my opinion, but I, I don't even, I argue it's not even what anybody would guess. The idea is that what it's supposed to mean is it becomes a normal process. So you can just, you know, buy it at the store or whatever else. But how is that different than going to Walgreens and getting it now? I, I don't really know. I guess the only difference is the government's removing itself from being responsible for it. It's a very strange thing, but it says Dr. Ja, Ashish Ja, which, by the way, we'll point out in a moment, has been catastrophically misinforming people and is still the one standing up and telling you what's coming next. See, nothing's changing. Said the government will transition from day-to-day management of the pandemic. This is on the 17th. The White House COVID response coordinator said Biden's administration aims to transition out of managing the pandemic day-to-day and focus instead on planning for future pathogens. Right, because it's all about the biosecurity state. We've already gotten, we've squeezed COVID dry. You guys can tell we're lying. So we're going to set this back for a moment, if, if maybe entirely, and focus on the next thing we're going to point at. <laughs> what? That's, I mean, of course, the argument is that there's pandemics are everywhere, except they just weren't until they started this. Isn't that interesting? What changed? Maybe they are now because of the genetic manipulations and the ridiculously broken immune systems. Maybe they're self-fulfilling prophecy. Maybe they created this. Either way, the idea that they just are pointing at the next thing. Bill Gates told you the next one's coming. It's very interesting, isn't it? But day-to-day, so the, the government's going to pull out of the, bra- the day-to-day work. That's alarming, kind of, in the way that it's just like, now it's going to be the Wild West about these businesses. It's already been sort of justified in their minds they can do these things without any government mandate. So now they're just going to force them themselves. You can't work here without a vaccine. Quote, we are working very hard to make sure the transition is in a very kind of orderly is in a very kind of orderly, a very transparent way, so everybody sees it coming. Very strange, except not explaining what it actually means. Joss said the government should be financing the next generation of vaccines. Right, so we're just, the point is they're putting these down because they don't feel like we, we believe it anymore. And just hoping to revamp this with the new bivalent vaccine that's going to come out at a time when we're in an entirely different world. Therapeutics and, and diagnostics of the U.S. moves past the COVID pandemic emergency phase. 
and settles into a new normal, he says. Well, there's many points to make there. First of all, if you're putting these things down, the next generation of vaccines and therapeutics, and diagnostics, and we're just stepping into this. What? What's the? Where's the conversation of the supposed approvals? Like, do you realize how distant that is in the conversation now? Allegedly, and I don't. I shouldn't even say allegedly. On paper, that's the way to say that. They've approved Comirnaty and they've approved Spikevax, Moderna, and Pfizer. That's on paper, though which is legally all that is required for whatever they want to accomplish, but to actually be used has never happened. Dr. Massey brought this up in Congress and when they pointed out that, we, that we, they're still spreading the transmission lie. Gentlelady yields back. Who seeks recognition? What purpose does the gentleman from Kentucky seek recognition? I, I, speak, I seek to speak on the amendment. The gentleman is recognized. There are just a few things I want to correct and in the story or examples that were just given, I think it's been dispelled that the vaccine prevents the spread of COVID. I mean, I don't know why we're still saying that. I mean, the CDC director has apologized for being wrong about that. And they don't even know this. People in Congress that are literally deciding your future, if you believe that's how it works, and they don't even know. Why are they uninformed? Meanwhile, pretending in their minds that they're the most informed people on the planet. Because, you know, they got a buddy in the CIA and I know the guy at CNN, right? That's how they think. They're ridiculously uninformed because they buy at face value the narrative unless they're inside it, which is a different story. But most of these people, like the Pelosi's, the Grahams, and whoever else, I don't believe they really know what's going on. That's my opinion. But the bottom line, he also points out that these things are being justified using the supposed emergency authorization or the supposed approval in the military, even though that's not what was given. He pushed the idea, Austin, pushed the idea that these things were okay to give now because they were approved and then gave the emergency authorized version. That's a crime. So the bottom line is, how can we be stepping into this next discussion and it's a whole new vaccine with no safety test, injection, excuse me, no safety test, and they're going to emergency authorize it, guys. That's what's going to happen. And they have no legal standing to do so. And it doesn't even matter because they are off the rails. They have been for a long time. And that includes both sides of the government, guys. But let's go to the next point. Moves past the COVID pandemic emergency phase. Okay, so arguing right now we're in it, right? He said the government should be financing the next version as we move past the emergency phase. Well, maybe you missed it when Dr. Fauci literally said, Dr. Fauci clarifies the pandemic is not over yet. The U.S. is, come on, dang it. Stupid thing. It was showing it the last time. Oh, I think it's because I shortened the screen. Here, let me do this. Simplified. It says the pandemic is not over yet. The U.S. is merely out of the acute phase. Oh, wait, maybe he said that. Oh, excuse me. I jumped the gun. <laughs> Hold on. The reason I said that. Well, OK, that point, first of all, is arguing we're still in the emergency phase of the pandemic and settles into a new normal. Like they're just pulling back the talking points from the very beginning. I thought we weren't in a new normal. I thought that was the idea of the very beginning. And now we're pushing to a new like. This or, or how about the idea that they sold you from the very beginning that all you got to do is just take this one thing and you can go right back to the normal we had before. The corporate media from all walks of life, including Fox and the government, screamed you down saying, just do this, just wear your mask and we can go back to normal. Even though people like Klaus Schwab and others from day one, day one said, we're never going back to normal. That's not happening. 
And guess who was right? Not the president, not the government, not the media. Oh, we're the unelected technocrat elitist. How did he know? Think, think about that. Now, the point is, though, the new normal. That was something that they all rolled out, just like Build Back Better, simultaneously and acting like there wasn't coordination. This is something they already discussed, and this was meant... How do you not see new normal aligned with the Great Reset reimagining? Build Back Better. It's the same point. We're going to rebuild everything and create a new world that's better for everybody, even though that's not even remotely what's actually happening. But here he is, pushing with... Oh, this well, as soon as we get those bivalent B5, BA4 vaccines, well, new normals begins! Interesting. Well, here's what he says. One of the things we've spent a lot of time thinking about in the last many months, and we're going to continue this work, and you'll hear more from the administration on this, is getting us out of the acute emergency phase. Very clearly implying that we're right now in the acute emergency phase, where the U.S. government is buying the vaccines, buying the treatments, buying the diagnostic tests. We need to get out of the business over the long run, out of that business. Now, you know why he says that? Because unless we're in an emergency, that's not supposed to be happening. Oops. Well, seeing as how we've already let it out of the bag that we're not in the emergency anymore, and we never really were, first of all, based on any definition before this, or even the fact that we're now transitioning out of other things, the point is that they have to pretend we're there, otherwise they're not allowed to do those things. So maybe that's why they're trying to side exit stage right on this, because right now everything they're doing is not in line with the law. There is no definite, the definition of the emergency, or rather the emergency authorization that keeps these things allowable has been broken for a long time based on the approvals, based on alternative uses, based on the fact that we're not even remotely meeting any definition of an emergency. You can't just keep pointing at a collective number that has a thousand caveats and saying that that million people died. How can you not call it an emergency? That's not how you define an emergency. Either way, the point is it's reality. But here is what we were saying before. Do you forget, Ja? That on April 28th, Fauci, Mr. Science, said we're merely out of the acute phase? Well, there you go. So apparently, uh, Mr. Jaw, expert here, what's his name? Ashish Jaw, Dr. Ashish Jaw, he's not trusting the science because Fauci is the science, right? He called himself the science. He's the, he is science. When he says it, it is science, he said. That's almost a direct quote. So if he says we're out of the acute phase, but he's over here saying we're not out of the acute phase, and that's why we need to keep doing this, but we're going to stop soon. Well, there's a, they're confused. One of them should be censored based on what they've been doing so far, right? Of course that won't happen. Oh, here's another one. Dr. Fauci on why the U.S. is out of the pandemic phase. That was April 26th. Then he came back on two days later and said, no, 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 wait, excuse me. You took me out of context. No, they didn't. You said it. You don't want them to see. People said, hey, we're out of the pandemic then, right? <laughs> You can't say out of the pandemic phase and act like there's some differentiation there. You're either in a pandemic or you're not. No, excuse me, out of the acute phase of the pandemic. God, these people are ridiculous. Just utter fools. But going forward, my hope, he says, is that in 2023, you're going to get the com commercialization of almost all these products. Now, I argue that what's going to happen there is also some legal problems, right? Because how do you commercialize this in a way that then keeps them absent of liability? Uh-oh, right? If there's no liability, they're not going to be involved. Like they've proven to you in many countries around the world where they said, no, 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 we're not going to give you liability. And they said, okay, bye. We won't stay here then. <laughs> right? Very obvious. So I argue unless they give them some kind of special deal, which is hint, hint, what I see coming, that they're going to have liability and they won't do that then. So they're going to act like we can't do that and risk all of the conspiracy theorists coming after us. So you have to give us indemnity which is going to be unprecedented, a commercialized product with no accountability. Well, guess what? Get ready for it based on some argument that's for everyone's best interest. So we just moved them into the regular healthcare system. Ja also looked ahead to the upcoming winter season with both COVID and flu circulating. Experts, health experts in Australia 
where it is currently winter, describe what they call a twindemic of the flu cases surpassing pre-dendemic levels and a COVID surge powered by Omicron. Twindemic. It's, again, that old that old trope. We're back doing that again. Remember the last three times they kept saying that, or I guess two times, when it didn't happen and weirdly flu vanished? I wonder where it went, guys. What a weird coincidence. Flu and pneumonia just disappeared. It's almost like they were COVID. But the point is they keep pushing it every year. The twindemic. Delmacron, Oma Deltacron, fantastic. You know, they, they keep making up these new names. They're going to blend and work together and create a new virus and all these things. And half of them fall on their face. and They just drop them and move on because they didn't connect. The idea is they're going to have a twindemic because that, that implies that they're both either epidemics or pandemics, right? Because you've got demic, right? Twindemic. Is the flu alone a epidemic? No, not even remotely. Look at the numbers yourself. Because one, those numbers are being conflated with COVID-19, but two, those numbers are lower than they were before. Same with the pneumonia, because they're being used, in my opinion. But the idea is just because they're happening together does not make them both pandemics. The numbers are not pandemic levels. So you can't call flu a pandemic just because you like the word twindemic. And on top of that, based on any definition anywhere, they're not in a pandemic. Australia especially, what you're seeing is an epidemic of vaccine injuries being called that. On top of that, that the ones powered by the Omicron subvariant, what they're calling is not very dangerous, but just more transmissible. So none of this adds up to what they want it to be, but they're just hyping fear for the new thing yet again. Coming, oh, just wait for the bivalent vaccine. Quote, I expect this fall and winter to look much more like the fall and winter of 2019 than the last two years. Right there, he admits last two years, there was no twindemic. But they said they, they screamed that was coming with a lot less mitigation. And that means we should be ready for more flu than, and more COVID. Well, didn't they argue the reason flu disappeared is because COVID took over flu or rather that it stopped it from being able to happen? Yet now we're still seeing it and they're going to argue now it's going to happen. Why? Where's the science there? There is nothing. You can't contradict your previous argument just to claim there'll be another twindemic for the third not time it happens. But whatever, because nobody cares about this. Anybody that's believing them does not care about the facts. The flu in pre-pandemic times already strained the health system, he noted. Yeah, because that's the argument anyway. And that's, again, going back to the idea of how they manipulated this before. That speaks to this same point. What they're telling you they're admitting to is that they changed this, right? Pre-pandemic times strained the system because they, at the time, I think, I forget the date exactly. I think 2000-ish to 2000-something, they conflated the idea of pneumonia with flu. But at the end of the day, there was like hundreds of provable cases of flu. Yet they all argued there were 60 plus thousand deaths because they just combined pneumonia. Now, today we're seeing the same thing. Again, PIC, pneumonia, influenza, and COVID. That's one number the CDC calls COVID. That's not a secret. It's right on their website. So how do you argue it's confusing that flu disappeared when you're literally including it in the COVID numbers? The bottom line is it already strained the health systems before because you just made things up. And this has been called out by many high-level agencies. But on top of that, they hype it. Protect the NHS as opposed to people, which is the real point there, right? The NHS has to be protected. That's the same idea they're pushing here. Quote, throw in COVID on top of that, our health system is going to get overwhelmed. That's the same narrative over and over again. He said, adding that testing and treatment will play an important role. Start the case-demic again. Job advised people to seek an updated COVID booster when it becomes available and get a flu shot. Right, well, right there, there you go. This guy is a propagandist and is a dangerous misinformer. You know why? Because right here, yet again, as the most recent information, it still says interaction with other vaccines. COVID-19 vaccines will be used in individuals who also may receive other vaccines. 
studies to determine if their co-administration with other vaccines may affect the efficacy or the safety of either vaccine have not been performed. Oh, that's weird. So this expert doctor is saying, go get your flu shot next to your COVID shot because that's important and safe. Well, no, it's not. In fact, it's dangerous because we literally, according to the doctor, the creators of the vaccines don't know what they'll do next to each other. We don't know if they affect efficacy. We don't know if they affect safety. But who cares, though, right? Because vaccines are good. And we all know that. That's that's what their sentiment is. On top of that, since we're here, the long term safety data of either really in regard to Moderna or Pfizer. Is unknown right now, unknown at present. But of course, he'll push it because that's his job. But while we're talking about him, why don't... Oh, actually, I forgot one last thing. is to show you what they're going to say here, which I find very interesting. White House has announced it will stop buying COVID vaccines as early as this fall. The Biden administration... So they're going to stop buying them altogether. You know why? Because Moderna just threw away 30 million doses because nobody's taking them. They're going to push the idea. Maybe that's even why monkeypox argument was completely pushed now because they just want to hide that fact. You guys see through it. All of you. They're not taking them. That's the point. Administration says this is all part of an effort to move COVID-19 prevention and treatment into the commercial market. I see. So it's not because you're not taking them. Now we created an entire narrative about commercialization so we can act like you not taking them is part of a plan to transition. to the Right. You get it? You follow? They're not buying them because you're not taking them. So this is about hovering that with the idea that we're just transitioning to a new phase. Is that always what they say? Let's bring in Yahoo Finances, Anjali Kamala. Yeah, that's about the point of it anyway. That's what I wanted to show you. So next point, Jaw, Dr. Jaw, taking one of the all-time great losses here. Now, don't forget, this guy is still in power, still advising, even though this is the kind of catastrophically, dangerously misinformed points, whether he knew it or not, that he was pushing like everybody else. At this point, the evidence is pretty overwhelmingly clear that natural immunity is not going to be good enough to protect you uh, against it. And, and it wasn't then, by the way. When he said this, I was right there showing you 47 peer-reviewed studies that quite literally said the exact opposite. Durable, lasting, robust, continues to make variants of concern, harm, I mean, make ver- antibodies to variants of concern. During the time he said this this point the evidence is pretty overwhelmingly clear that natural immunity is not going to be good enough to protect you uh, against the delta variant it'll help it'll probably prevent you from getting super sick uh but it's not as good as vaccines and right so he's lying or he didn't know even though the data was there even though the science said otherwise that's the kind of push and don't forget the cdc admitted now that that's not true we're considering natural immunity yeah they're lying or don't know any better why people trust them now is beyond me this is Eli, Eli Klein pointing out a lot of the different point, top 10 of his blunders. You can watch it for yourself of him saying things that are now false. Now, don't forget, this is the guidance. Now, the main point being unvaccinated people now have the same guidance as vaccinated people. There's no way you misunderstand that people with five shots in their body are being treated exactly like you with none of them. That's the point. So they're, they're admitting that they failed without saying it because they don't have the courage to do so. Now, even though that's happening, these things are still happening. British Columbia is now forcing unvaccinated mothers to pay back up to $50,000 in maternity leave. How do you see that in anything other than punitive? So what does that have to do with them leaving because they're pregnant? Well, they didn't get the vaccine, so they're gross people and they they don't deserve to. I mean, how do you even frame that? So 
it affected your work? No. Is there an undue burden? No more than maternity leave normally causes. What does the vaccine have to do with it? That is forcing, that's punitive action for people that didn't do what you thought they should have done. That's disgusting. And that is happening more right now in Canada than anywhere else. And it's pretty bad. Here's another example. He says, in a, this, first it says, after 12 days from the first vaccination of the AstraZeneca vaccine, according to this expert on this morning, you are 100% effective against hospitalization and death. That's an amazing statistic she shares, this health expert, as he points out, an amazing statistic indeed. And yet she still is a practicing GP, is still ranked at a nice top-up salary from TV appearances. No apologies from her or this morning with the corporate media outlet for their part in the relentless vaccine disinformation campaign. At the very least, you said it because you thought you were right, and now you're, you should come back and say I was very wrong and I was misinformed. Nope. 100% effective. How embarrassing. Well, this is another weird example that I thought you should take note of. I just, I didn't know this. I saw this yesterday. This is from 2020. Remember that, that, that supposed peace officer that literally choked out this girl? Right there. I wanted to show you the picture right there. See that? Literally choked out this young girl for doing nothing other than trying to move along without, having, without wearing a mask. I don't care what you think is justifiable. The point is that you, if she wasn't breaking the law other than the mandate, and even if even then, breaking the law does not give him the right to, to grab her by the throat when she's not a violent threat. But he did. He choked her up against the wall and they forced her to take action. But guess what? That police officer was cleared because in the middle of the covid fervor, they said, well, of course, because she wasn't wearing a mask. What a disgusting person. She deserved it. All right, That's my opinion. But that is what I think happened, because how do you justify something like that? Now, here's an example of the lockdowns. Models suggest the collateral damage of lockdowns would kill more people than a virus, but they still continued with that path. Why? Was there something else at play? It's a good question. Here's uh, Matthias Desmond, you know, the, the person who really spearheaded the whole mass psychosis discussion, who is telling you, based on the models, they knew this. And they, they we sure as hell know it now. But guess what? On both sides of this, they knew it then. So why'd they go forward with it? Now, they know it now, which we all admit to. But guess what? They're still planning the next one. I don't mean the next pandemic, that too, but they already have in line that we're going to lock down again if needed, based on climate change, based on pandemics, based on anything. So how do you explain that? The world seemed incapable of considering both the dangerousness of the virus and the dangerousness of the measures mm. that were imposed to the world. Because... From the beginning, it was clear, actually, that the measures itself, for instance, the lockdowns, in itself would cause a lot of collateral damage. Yes. To give only one small, one example, and there were numerous others, but the United Nations warned us from the beginning, I think in March or April 2020, in the first weeks of the crisis, that probably more people would die because of hunger in the developing countries as a consequence of the lockdowns. That and by the way, that's not hypothetical anymore. More, there are plenty of examples of places where poor people died exponentially more in these countries. And they know that. I'll play that clip in a second. The number of victims the virus could claim in the worst case scenario, even if no measures were taken at all. And in one way or another, this didn't have an impact and this didn't make us change um, the strategy to deal with the coronavirus, which, of course, is extremely strange. Because if you're confronted 
with a disease, with a pandemic. And you consider several options, several remedies for the, for, for the disease, so to speak. Then the first thing you want to know is whether the remedy will not be worse than the, than the disease. Right. And that very elementary consideration, in one way or another, we were never able to really balance off the, the, the collateral damage of the measures and uh, the, the, the damage the virus could claim. Uh, I noticed that from the beginning. It was striking to me that in one way or another, psychologically, it seemed as if the attention was focused on this one risk, this one dangerous aspect of reality. And all the rest disappeared in the darkness, was no longer in the field of attention, and had no cognitive and emotional impact anymore. Now, that kind of takes into the idea that ultimately they thought they were doing the right thing and they focused too much on the one problem. But I, I continue to argue that there was more of not just tunnel vision, missing the forest for the trees here, because that's impossible. How you just pretend like literally nothing else matters. There was psychosis happening here. There was an obvious problem. But to add to the, the point, though, and this is the same thing this guy said from the WHO back in 2020, 2021. They knew this, guys, and they did it anyway. I want to say it again. Uh, we in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as a primary means of control of this virus. The only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganize, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers who are exhausted. But by and large, we'd rather not do it. Just look at what's happened to the tourism industry, for example, in the Caribbean or in the Pacific, because people aren't taking their holidays. Looks what's happened to smallholder farmers all over the world because their markets have got dented. Look what's happening to poverty levels. It seems that we may well have a doubling of world poverty by next year. We may well have at least a doubling of child malnutrition because children are not getting meals at school and their parents in poor families are not able to afford it. This is a terrible, ghastly global uh, catastrophe, actually. And so we really do appeal to all world leaders Stop using lockdown as your primary control method. Develop better systems for doing it. Work together and learn from each other. But remember, lockdowns just have one consequence that you must never, ever uh, belittle, and that is making poor people an awful lot poorer. Now, what happens when many places of the world, poor people become much poorer? They die in a lot of ways. They become much more food insecure. They can't feed their families, right? And that's what it translated to. So that's the WHO representative literally laying it out for you in clear color, saying, this is the problem. Please don't do it. And what do they do? Exactly that. And then act like it doesn't matter we're killing all these poor children everywhere else because of the child over here that we're then forced to take a dangerous injection and wear a mask that kills them anyway. Like, it's incredible. This is bad. It's contradictory. Now they come back like the CDC and go, oh, we made mistakes. Well, you knew they were mistakes you had that information just like i did are you pretending like the independent media had information the cdc didn't understand or couldn't have in front of them it's obvious this was a willful ignorant situation for a larger agenda here's just a quick overlap jeremy points out can you tell me why california's excess mortality is higher than florida now no way am i arguing that florida or even desantis or anybody else is really in a better position other than narrative and we'll see how that goes as we go forward i'm not saying that you know it may be possible that any person could change their position by the end of the day, 
There's plenty of things to be concerned about with bills that DeSantis put forward that literally still argues that you can be quarantined, that you can be forced vaccinated. It's right there in the documentation, even though there are arguments that he then took part of these things out. The point is that there's still very obvious reasons that you can see that there's coordination here. But either way you look at it, even if I'm wrong, the point is that Florida took def- definitely different action than California. And what you can see is that it's very clearly different. Now, that's correlation, not causation. But at the end of the day, you can make bigger points about this all over the world. Look at Sweden. There's a reason they don't want to talk about that, because they proved very early on that you everything they were fear-mongering about was very incorrect, that they didn't need to do that. The Great Barrington Declaration has been wildly vindicated with what they've been doing so far, what they're claiming they changed or their mea culpa, but they don't care. They still call them conspiracy theorists. Think about that. By the way, there's a, a, a rant that I was going to talk about probably tomorrow with Alex Jones talking about believing in DeSantis. And I'm just like rolling my eyes because, oh, and now I made a mistake with Trump, but DeSantis is the one. <laughs> Please go out and vote. Vote harder. Come on, guys. We got to be smarter than this. Here's another crazy, sad example. Pandemic babies are left behind after years of stress, isolation, affected brain development. Is that what it is? Maybe it's the masks you made them wear or the dangerous injections you put in their bodies. No, no, no. Even though peer-reviewed science literally says that's what's happened. No, that's not the narrative I'm supposed to be saying. But here's the other part of this. What's the alternative? Well, obviously, the isolation, the stress, the things that they did. Well, guess what, guys? That's what many of us were saying on top of the other problems in the beginning. What you're going to do is going to be damaging. The lockdowns aren't going to be successful. You're going to hurt people. You're going to destroy businesses. You're going to destroy the lives of these children. And they called you a dangerous disinform, misinforming people. You're creating vaccine hesitancy. Well, now the very same media is pointing back at it and going, oh, no, look at what the right action did to these children. They, they don't even have the courage to admit that they failed, that they pushed the wrong idea. I don't even know if they're self-aware enough to make that clear in their own minds. Now, yes, the stress and isolation 100% changed these children's lives forever in ways that they could probably never come back from. But on top of that, if we're talking about the real problem of what's actually happening, when we're talking about cognitive ability, and I mean, as it says, uh, horse like, uh, where is it? In any case, they get into the article talking about the idea that these children are just behind. Educational-wise, cognitive-wise, the way that they emotionally and emotional intelligence, right? These things aren't just about stress and isolation. They are hurting. They are struggling because of what's being done to them. You're killing brain cells with the kind of hypoxic and, and hypercapnic situations the masks are causing. You're, you're literally destroying their growing bodies with these injections you're giving them. On top of all of that, the babies that were born with this are already, hopefully, I don't want to be right, but are going to see the long-term problems that this, that the multiple injections that their unwitting pregnant mothers did to themselves. That's part of it too. Because that's not, this isn't just babies that were here in the pandemic. They're talking about babies that were born over this next two-year period. And now two years later, they're behind. They're not acting the right way. I wonder why. But all of this is okay because we had to stop this mild flu, right? Well, here is a longer version, actually, of a clip that I played before, or just another part of the conversation that I wanted to play. As it says, everything we had to go on at the beginning was based on that figure, which was exaggerated in terms of its benefits. The information has evolved since then considerably. Now, there was a lot of things you could point at, like the Imperial College of London, who has literally been wrong about almost everything, or specifically Neil, uh, Neil, Neil Ferguson, who I argue they continue to use him to the fact that he, because he errs in the way they want him to. That was an exaggerated number that is what they still 
maintain the air of, of, of danger. All these people, are. there are still people, largely I would argue on one side of the paradigm, that are screaming about how 90% of people will die and they don't even understand that that's been proven wrong in like the first couple months of this. But here we are. And this, this is talking about greater need for transparency, which is the opposite of what we're going to get from the Mia Culpa CDC. Every 119 persons vaccinated, one will be protected from infection. That's from an open letter to... Which, by the way, we know now isn't true. Joe Biden and Boris Johnson and various parties uh, that also makes the point that your risk of an adverse side effect from the vaccines is greater than your risk of hospitalization from COVID. The author of that open letter, Dr. Asim Malotra, joins me now. That's actually uh, quite a staggering number, because if we'd been told that 18 months ago, the whole conversation would have been entirely different. No, it probably wouldn't have, right? You would have seen the same thing we see where they just shout that down as conspiracy theory. Their sycophants go along with it and dismiss anything they're not they're supposed to look at. But again, to clarify what I said in the beginning, it's not accurate that it stops transmission at all. So it's even worse than what he's describing, just to make that clear. Very good point, Mark. So to talk about what you were uh, mentioning earlier about certainty in, in medicine, mm. um, medical evidence, in medical evidence, in the history of medical evidence, today's truth may be tomorrow's folly. Mm. And medicine, unlike um, physics or... Which, by the way, is exactly why you trust the scientific method evolving understanding of new of you know while considering the body of evidence that's there and evolving your opinion to include the new information or the alt or the challenged opinion right and include that as opposed to just trusting what they put in front of you today right i mean that's just pure ignorance that's not even scientific even in the basis definition but they trick people into thinking that because people are easily swayed they aim these things at the lowest common denominator there's a lot of people out there that truly are happy to just march into whatever's put in front of them doesn't make them even stupid, to be honest. These are social engineers that have manipulated them into thinking that is a smart thing to do. I know really intelligent people that were completely taken by this because they were convinced that smart people listen to the CDC. You see what I'm saying? Chemistry is not an exact science. It's an art, and it's based upon information that we're given at a particular time, and it's often the art of probabilities. But to answer your question more specifically, um, yes, looking back at that original trial, that led to the approval of the Pfizer vaccine mm. and many other vaccines. Um, if we talk about the Pfizer vaccine, for example, that trial, it showed this 95% relative risk reduction in infection. Everyone took on board mm. as thinking 95, if 100 people were yeah. exposed, 95 would be protected, which is not the case. It mm. was 0.84% from infection. If and I, if you, Since there might be people that would push back on that, like he's not just arguing they were wrong about the number, right? It's actually really important to understand why that was a lie. And you guys know this one. Pfizer reported that its vaccine shows a 95% efficacy. That sounds like it protects you 95% of the time, right? But that's not actually what that number means. That 95% refers to the relative risk reduction, but it doesn't tell you how much your overall risk is reduced by vaccination. For that, we need absolute risk reduction. In the Pfizer trial, eight out of 18,198 people who were given the vaccine 
developed COVID-19. In the unvaccinated placebo group, 162 people got it, which means that even without the vaccine, the risk of contracting COVID-19 was extremely low at 0.88%, which the vaccine then reduced to 0.04%. So the net benefit, or the absolute risk reduction that you're being offered with a Pfizer vaccine is 0.84%. That 95% number? That refers to the relative difference between 0.88 and 0.04%. That's what they call 95% relative risk reduction. And relative risk reduction is well known to be a misleading number, which is why the FDA recommends using absolute risk reduction instead, which begs the question, how many people would have chosen to take the COVID-19 vaccines had they understood that they offered less than 1% benefit? You know, had they not been lied to is the right way to put that, right? If they weren't lied to blatantly about the reality, would they have taken it? Most of them probably wouldn't have. We trust that data implicitly, which, of course, from infection, if we trust that data implicitly, which, of course, many people did, even yeah. though that data has never been released for independent analysis, which is something we're advocating for. Um, but in addition to that, Mark, that trial didn't show any reduction in death rates from COVID, statistically mm. uh, significant death rates from COVID, or all-cause mortality. So, every Right, because they didn't want to look at that. They chose to ignore it because it didn't. The point is it reduced barely mild to moderate symptoms. That's the same point we made in the very beginning of this in 2020. That's what they aimed at. That's what they succeeded at because they were trying to hide that. That's also why they skipped animal trials to begin with, because that's usually where the biggest problems come out in regard to specific things like antibody-dependent enhancement, molecular mimicry. They, that's why. They circled back to it and did them very short and manipulative. But the point is, we can see that this was there from the very beginning. There was a reason they tailored these things to not find what they knew it wouldn't do. Everything we had to go on at the beginning was based upon that figure that was exaggerated in terms of its benefits. I was one of those people that was one of the first to take, you know, I was, I'm double jabbed. Mm. I had the vaccine in January 2021 after volunteering in the vaccine center. Even though I was young, I did it because I thought it was going to protect my patients from getting COVID. And, um, nope. you know, the information has evolved since then considerably. I've spent many months critically analyzing data. Speak Think about how crazy that is. Now, I'm not, I wasn't saying this doesn't stop transmission because it was a guess. I wasn't saying this doesn't stop transmission because I had some kind of conspiracy theory. I was pointing at both the Forbes article, the, the Pfizer data, and what they released as the reality that they did not have stopped. They said this. And yet somehow this very intelligent doctor didn't know that. And somehow I did in 2020. Like take reflect on that. I'm not trying to say that it's all about the last American vagabond. There's plenty of other people in my position that were doing the same thing, even that Forbes article. But how is it possible that this guy who is clearly objective enough to come to the conclusion now, even when I would argue when it's, well, maybe it was harder to do it then, but now that it's softened, I mean, the point is that he now sees it and he's speaking out about it. That is a really important small point to make in regard to how this happens, how doctors don't know that they don't know, that they believe this stuff because they've been trained to do so. At least he's smart enough and objective enough to stand back during it and go, whoa, I went along with it to begin with because I thought they were honest, but now I can tell they're not. Good for him. But think about that, guys. Next time we're ahead of a story. Speaking to many eminent scientists in Oxford, in Stanford, mm. in Harvard, speaking to Pfizer whistleblowers mm. uh, and critically looking at that data in, in its totality. And uh, the situation has very much changed. So now we have, uh, uh, you know, we talked about the this was 
you know, in reference to the uh, ancestral strain of the virus, which was much more lethal, and it was, certainly, especially for the elderly, it was awful, uh, certainly in 2020, what we... Uh, You know, you could quite... I would at the very least put an asterisk next to that in regard to a lot of other factors that were involved, nursing homes, the the PCR test, a lot of things. But arguably, even their narrative is that it was bad then, and it's like one one one-thousandth of the risk to children now, yet they still argue they should all get injected further because they're going to die. Like they are putting both those data points out. How they come together is the reason why no why anybody objective and honest doesn't trust them right now. Experience then. What's circulating now, Mark, and it's interesting you mentioned Sadia Javid talking mm. about this booster program, um, is essentially, and this is good, this is good news, mm. it's reassuring news, the Omicron strain that is circulating at the moment is no more, no more lethal than the flu. Right. We don't scare people to death around the flu. Mm. We shouldn't be scaring people to death around Omicron. Right. Exactly. Good for him. Now, on top of that, in case you missed in the beginning, these are the kind of fallout things we're seeing as they try to rationalize and normalize the action, the, 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 out, the, the fallout from these dangerous things that we're now seeing are being pushed on people that literally do not need them. This is crazy, by the way. Port Nottingham. You have a defibrillator on a kid's part. What's this telling you? What's this all about? Healthy kids, generally, children don't have heart attacks, and so on and so forth. But ever since the uh, poisonous toxins have been rolled out, kids are, um, are dropping like flies and having heart attacks. But it's not related, is it? This on a kid's park. Wake the F up. Good for him. I, that, that, I, that when I first saw that video, thanks to, I forget who it was who tagged me in it. But anyway, the, 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 the video was, you know, hadn't had that many views. Good for him. Just an average guy. Just stop. You know, the point is that should go viral. How in the world are you pretending a, a, a defibrillator at a children's park makes any sense? That's it's just bad. It's this is crazy kind of stuff that is trying to make it seem normal that that happens. Now, some good news. Eva points out that let the lawsuits let the lawsuits begin. Ontario judge argues that he's not t- prepared to take judicial notice of any government information with respect to COVID or COVID vaccines. As she points out, the tide is turning. Well, here's the actual breakdown she's linked to. And it's a really interesting, actually. First point, it says the applicant's mother in regard to this, this lawsuit is not against the COVID vaccine, but is prepared to but is not prepared to force her daughter to be vaccinated against her will, which is kind of the premise here. Just to cut to the chase, read this because really interesting. The argument is and what's funny is you can see that the the. Oh, it's right there. I'll get to it next. It says, on the other side of this trend, there are also cases in which the courts were not prepared to take judicial notice of the efficacy and safety of COVID vaccines. And the reason being is not necessarily because they don't believe it, but because it's not appropriate in this context. But look, at this gets to the point here. After reviewing the judicial notice taken in several other cases and information from Ontario Health, Public Health Agency of Canada Health, Canada and Canada Jarvis J. States, so what are the notorious or accepted facts with this court is prepared to accept and which cannot be the subject of dispute among reasonable persons and represent uh, they, our collective lived experience? And they are. And this is coming from the Canadian government, listing off all these forced facts that are mostly not real. The COVID kill, virus kills. The virus is transmissible. The virus can and has mutated variants. Now, there's some of these things that are arguably real based on their narrative, but the point is, they're pushing all of that. And then it comes to the conclusion that the court says this. I am not prepared to take judicial notice, which is essentially them introducing this into the court and they're acknowledging it, of any government information with respect to COVID-19 and COVID vaccines. He says, even if I were to take judicial notice of the safety and efficacy of the vaccine, 
I still have no basis for assessing what that means for this child. Like here, the government comes in and just dumps all these narratives. It's dangerous. It kills. Children need it. And the, the cart's going, okay, what does that have to do with this child? Yeah, that's your narrative for the world. Is this child different? Does he have immune compromised situations? Right. That that's the point he's making here. One size fits all narratives don't work ever because people are different. And that's what they're highlighting here. Even though the government doesn't care. It's okay that we kill some children as long as we get what we want. I must the court continues, I must still determine how safe, how efficacious the vaccine is for this child. Does safe mean there are no side effects? Is the vaccine effective in protecting her from contracting COVID-19? No, I think the court knows this. From spreading it, from dying from it, from severity or symptoms? As with informed consent, there are many factors that must be carefully considered in, in weighing risks and benefits. We'll look at that. Finally, an honest judge. Somebody who realizes that informed consent, based on his definition, is quite literally never being met right now. If, you, if they need to go through every single one of these for every single child... They're not doing that. They have a blanket argument. It's safe and effective. Give it to everybody. That's not informed consent. And you know that. One, because you watch the show, but two, because you're intelligent and you know that stuff. But lastly, as Alex Burris points out, can't make this up. This one will do the trick, I tell you. Now we'll find out who really cares about grandma. Kind of the government saying. Quebec will now offer the fifth dose of the COVID vaccine to all adults in general as of August 29th. Really, even while everything is happening, even with all the information changing, as the CDC just basically admitted they were wrong, and all the damage and all the fallout, and they're just going to keep going. Maybe they didn't get the memo. My God. And they're forcing people still. You have to have the app to get in the country that proves you had it. By the way, another good report from Alex talking about the Pfizer veterinary vaccine in the past that killed a lot, of, killed a thousands of the calves, the, cat, the the young cows. He says, if you missed last night's story, Pfizer made a veterinary vaccine that killed thousands of calves. That's not the story. The story is, as the government, German government investigated it, Pfizer denied responsibility and just kept selling it. Right. That's exactly why I show you that tracker that shows you how they keep getting caught and all they do is pay for it. So these kind of companies factor that in in their yearly budget. We have $10, million, $10 billion set aside just in case we get caught for one of our crimes. That way, it's a cost of doing business. And is it even, I mean, it's disgusting, but at the end of the day, is it even their fault for working within a broken system like that? That's the government that allows that to happen. The problem, though, is the German government investigated. They said, nope, never mind. That's a Pfizer, the American company. The head of the Pfizer division is responsible for the vaccine. Guess who? Albert Borla, the company's current CEO. That's what he was the head of the division when that happened. They hit it. They ran away from it, denied responsibility, and they kept selling the vaccine. You read it for yourself. It's very clear that killed all these. I mean, just like they're right now, continuing to sell the vaccine that killed a lot of Americans. But guess what? The new COVID bivalent vaccine expected in the fall. Nothing is stopping. Nothing is slowing down. This is continuing. And just to make it clear here, this is a study that came out yesterday, August 17th. Here's what it says. Infections with the SARS-CoV-2 Delta variant exhibit fourfold increased viral loads in the upper airways compared to alpha. Is that relevant? Is Delta even around anymore? According to them, their narrative anyway, it's only it's, it's like the vast, vast, vast 90 plus percent is D, BA5, BA4. So the reality being that the kind of even the research they need to use to base on what they're going to do next is this far behind what's actually happening. 
Guess what, guys? Delta is extra dangerous. Well, who cares now? It's not around anymore. The point is that this is the kind of stuff they're using and pushing the idea of the bivalent vaccine. They're supposed to come out in three months. If that's even still there. Based on everything so far, again, even if it's just their narrative of the variants, it changes every 30 seconds. But guess what? I bet you by the time they get through, you know, don't worry. It was not just BA4 and 5. It's whatever we say it is. Bottom line is, guys, you shouldn't trust anything they're doing, especially as they try to pretend like they're re-evolving everything. And in fact, what they're really doing is reimagining your perception of them by doing the same thing twice as hard. And to finish, let's not forget that the epidemic that wasn't a story covered by New York Times in 2007, they now put it behind a paywall, which makes no sense other than trying to hide an old story, is a story of a seven-month-long whooping cough illusion that was created using none other than the PCR test. The quarantines, vaccines, etc. Turned out there was not a single actual case. Seven months. And even the doctors involved called it an illusion using the PCR test that led to the epidemic that wasn't. A trend that they argued was going to happen again unless we learn from this. And guess what? They sure learned from it, but only to use it again. And that's exactly how they learned from it. Faith in quick tests leads to epidemic that wasn't in January 22nd, 2007. Nearly everyone involved thought the medical center had had a whooping cough outbreak. Nearly 1,000 healthcare workers in, in New Hampshire were given a test. Results were in. 142 people, including the doctor herself, were told that they appeared to have whooping cough. Thousands were given antibiotics, a vaccine for protection. Hospital beds were taken out of commission, including some of the intensive care. Sound familiar? The whole thing was a false alarm. Not a single case of whooping cough was confirmed with the definitive test. They placed too much faith in a quick, highly sensitive molecular test that led them astray. At Dartmouth, the decision was to, was to use a test PCR, even with the acronym, because it was so early, for polymerase chain reaction. And it led to the epidemic that wasn't. Well, that's it, guys, for the day. I appreciate you being here. I went a little longer than I had planned just because of some the, the obligation changed ultimately, but that's, it was important to get this information out. So thank you for being here today, continuing to share the information, get it in front of people that need it. I love you all for continuing to be here and for being smart enough or objective enough is the right way to say it, to question this stuff the whole time. And you were right. You were right to question it. You may not have been right about everything you thought, but you were right to question it. Let that sink in and realize that and hold that into the next problem that will inevitably come as they push in the next right thing to do and question that too. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Comes from China. Comes from China. <laughs> okay, this is no joke. This is what you are doing. Jesus Christ. Neither. Not social distancing. Put your mask on. Get away from Put me. Put it on. For freedom. Stop it. Whoa, whoa. What is going on inside his head? So, this guy in Michigan came up with this idea. Six feet apart. Oh, yeah. Extreme, extreme measures of self-isolation. It um, gets the point across. So you can wear it comfortably all day. Share your smile. Z-Shield wraps your face.
prend une bouchée et on remet le masque. On prend une bouchée et on remet le masque. Fun? It's science! It's it's science!